0: From reviews to rankings, the big picture is all things movies. From in-depth analysis of the latest flick to sit-down interviews with some of the biggest movie stars and filmmakers on the planet, Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins have got you covered. Check out The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Viori. Uncomfortable clothes are just the worst, and no one should have to deal with that. I mean, I'm not too ashamed to admit it. In the beginning of my journey, I had some podcasting pants. They were uncomfortable. They weren't aerodynamic yo, it was hurting my performance. And there are so many better options out there like Fiori. Their performance apparel is unbelievably comfortable and versatile. For instance, their performance jogger, you'll never want to take it off. And you can pretty much wear it anywhere. The gym, while you run your errands, or while you're relaxing at home, watching movies. So get yourself some of the most comfortable clothing ever at Viori. It's an investment in your happiness. And get 20% off your first purchase by visiting vioricom slash ringerverse. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringiverse. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash! Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor, for each one is unique like a snowflake. <laughs> Thomas's, huzzah! A toast to breakfast.
0: Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. We are Van Lathan, the host of Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay. Charles Holmes, the host of the Ringer Music Show. But together, we are known as the Midnight, the Midnight Boys. Boys. <laughs> all right, um, right, we're the Midnight Boys, so we are... Here on a Wednesday, giving you our instant knee-jerk, not well thought-out, sometimes infuriating reactions uh to the first season of Loki on Disney Plus, the MCU's latest Disney Plus uh television show entry. Um, as always, be sure to join Mal for her deep dive analysis every Friday afternoon. She's giving you a much more thought-out, a much more in-depth a much more academic reaction to the show. And uh, she's doing that with rotating guests every single week, and she's doing a fantastic job. Um, thanks to Loki Head writer Michael Waldron for stopping by. That's a big gift for Mal right there. Um, also, we're gonna have even more surprises on the Ringerverse feed. There are a lot of big Marvel movies coming up. I think you guys know what those movies are, one movie in particular. And we're going to have some reaction to that film. And I think that's going to be a fantastic podcast. Uh, I think there are going to be opinions and takes flying all around there, Chuck Wagon. All right. Now, it's time to dispense with the pleasantries. We have to talk about Loki. So much happened in episode four of Loki, entitled Nexus Event that we have to get right into it. We're not normally we we normally we mess around a little bit. But Charles, we're not messing around today. We're getting right, All right into it. I didn't the get episode. this
1: memo, but fine. No messing yeah. around. Well, we don't
0: have nerd news minute is the deal. <laughs> we don't have nerd news minute. There, there was no nerd news to go into. So because there's no nerd news to go into, we are going right into the show. Steve, roll the spoiler warning for these people who need a spoiler warning on a reaction show. We're getting ready to talk about the episode. You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. Let's do it right now. Let's get into the, the 60 second recap. Look, we've decided something. Eventually, it's going to become the two hour recap. No, we- I,
1: see, see, I didn't decide it was the 60 second recap. I got outruled. We've gone mm-hmm. from 30 seconds to 40 seconds to 60 seconds. What's going on here? I mean, you just, you're too you're too attached to it.
0: I don't know what your deal is.
1: There's no challenge with 60
0: Seconds, Yeah. Yeah, but why does it have to be a challenge? It's not about you. It's about the people listening. Why don't you take a step back, Charles?
1: I, so my question is, you're always like, why do we have to have a spoiler warning? You know this is a recap pod. Same thing with uh, the, the recaps, the 60 Second Recaps. We're like, you already watched the episode. Here's the deal. You just didn't
0: listen to a
1: word that I said.
0: <laughs> you're like you like the son from John Wick. Did he listen to a word that I said? The reality is that the audience likes the recap. The audience wants a coherent recap. The 30 second recap was cool. The 40 second recap is cool, but it's for the audience. All right, just I, I was going cool to for
1: 40 seconds. I, my heart is attached to the 40 seconds. But go do your 60 seconds. Go okay, 60 do the second
0: minute recap. No, you know what? I'm gonna read the recap like fucking masterpiece theater now. <laughs> it's gonna, like, it's gonna be. A, like, somebody, queue up a hearth behind me. Cue up a, 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 like a, put, drop in a goddamn fireplace behind me. We're gonna have me and a golden retriever. I'm sitting down in a robe in front of the fire. I'm gonna read the recap. It's eternity recap. All right, let's go. CC second recap. All right, we ready?
1: Right. Three,
0: two, one, go. We open on Asgard, where a child Sylvie is arrested by a then-Minuteman, Ravona. Uh, Sylvie, after being apprehended, escapes and is on the run for the rest of her life, very sad. Mobius asks for access to interrogate C20 and is denied by Ravona. Back on Lamentis, Sylvie and Loki hold hands in love and understanding that before being detected by the TVA, Loki tells Mobius the TVA is a lie and that everyone is a very big moment. Loki is then sent to a time cell where he is infinitely kicked in the nuts by Siv. Mobius uncovers the truth about C20 and Hunter B15 allows Sylvie to show her past life outside the PBA. Mobius frees Loki and is quickly pruned by Ravonna. She takes Loki and Sylvie to the timekeepers for deletion, B15 frees them. They fight off the timekeeper's guards all before Ravonna deletes Loki. Sylvie and Ravonna demand answers. I uh, still so be defeated, Ravonna, and demands time. answer. In Damn. the post-credits, Loki is brought to a decimated New York City where four other Lokis tell him to come back with them. It was actually four other Lokis. We said three other Lokis in the, in the thing. It was four other Lokis.
1: Steve, what's the time on that? It's like 62. That was a, that was a minute and six seconds.
0: There we go. <laughs> I liked it. I felt, I felt very relaxed giving that recap. Very relaxed giving that. Look at Charles. Charles got so much youthful exuberance. Look at him. I want my 30-second recap. Give me my ice cream.
1: All I hear is (laughs) hater energy coming from old man Van out there. He's looking at my hairline, being just like reminiscing about the the better days. When they didn't have to put the little black powder. I'm going
0: to be honest with you. I'm not just looking at your hairline. I'm looking at your hair because I've never seen such a fine collection of naps before. (laughs) You don't want to go back and forth with me. I'm telling you right now. This is a problem on the other podcast. You don't want to, you you're like, you don't, you don't want to go back and forth with me. You got that
1: Kevin Durant grade
0: hair, anyway. Go Whoa. ahead.
1: Whoa, Van, <laughs> don't even say that because every single podcast you have to have a snapback to hide the fucking v- no, the, no. the V. You're the on, you're the only black man I know with the cowlick. All right, here's the, here's the
0: thing. I'm, now, I'm, don't I'm 40, start with me, Van. Don't start I'm 40, with me. I'm 41. My hair is definitely running a race in backwards time. <laughs> But it's still luxurious, though. All right, give me your thoughts. Like, give me your give me your thoughts about this episode. Last episode, we were both uh, we both had some mixed reviews on. As far as yeah. this particular episode, um, Nexus event, what were your thoughts of it?
1: I think it did it did what all of the uh, the MCU Disney Plus shows do really well is like they do that fourth or fifth episode phenomenally. Uh, I think towards the middle they run out of gas. And then once we're lulled into, into a place of security, they hit the gas, everything's happening. When was uh when was Quicksilver revealed in WandaVision? That was like around episode four or five, wasn't it? It was around episode four, I think. So yeah, episode this is four. just another one of those episodes where like all of the questions that we have about this are starting to be answered. And mm-hmm. we're honestly just getting more questions at this point. But yeah, yeah. I-, I fucked with the episode overall, though.
0: Yeah, a, a good episode of television answers questions and then leaves you with questions at the end. That's how you know uh, that you got some good TV. If no questions are answered, no questions are asked, then you're just kind of there chilling, right? Like a filler episode. Uh, what questions did you feel like in this particular episode, which I also enjoyed very much? I thought it had, I thought really to be honest with you, it was a perfect episode of Loki. It was heady enough, had enough interplay between the characters, because we're being, if we're being honest, what we really love about this show is the questions that the characters are continuously asking one another and the emotional stakes that are created because of those questions, right? Would you
1: say it's the best episode so far? I'd
0: say so. Um, I'd, I'd say so. It's, it, it's just, it's hard to do in an episode of TV where, like I said, you answer big-time questions and you get re- revelations from characters, but then you're also left with big-time questions. And it seemed like they were able to do that while also cashing in some of the emotional deposits they've made in episodes
1: past, right? All right, so I got I got some things about this episode, even though this is like my favorite episode of Loki sure. so far. Choices that I think were controversial. Maybe I wouldn't have picked them. So I want to pick your brain later. But the biggest question I think that got answered is I think all of the Midnight Boys here, you, Jomi, Steve, we've all been kind of like, I don't know if the timekeepers are real. Uh-huh. And we got the Wizard of Oz moment, finally, that... Yeah. For, for now, they're not lizards, they're androids. So, and the biggest thing I left, my biggest question is, all right, are there real timekeepers? Is there someone pulling the strings? If it's Kang, does Kang show up? Is Ravona just going to be the big bad of this show and then point us to Kang later in Ant-Man? I, just the timekeeper reveal was the one that kind of just like opened the Pandora's box. What about you? What was your like big question that got answered? My big question that got answered was how was Mobius going
0: to take it the moment that he learned he was a variant? Hmm. Because we don't really get, we don't get started off um, learning about the TVA through Ravona, through any of the, Mobius introduces us to the TVA for the most part. You know, there's a, there's a video that plays by Miss Minutes um, and all that. But as far as what embodies the TVA, What becomes the TVA? Mobius defined the TVA for us. He was the guy that always had an answer, seemingly, for Loki, and was very, very at peace with his role in maintaining the sacred timeline. When he was sitting down having a conversation with Loki, he tells him, he's like, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to all wrap it up. We all meet up at the end of time. He was very resigned to that, and he was very okay with that. It was part of his goal and his duty uh, as a being, or whatever he, whatever he was, to make sure that that happened. I always find it fascinating, in anything that I'm watching, when a character learns that their entire life is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it always, it's like, it's the Neo Matrix moment, right? It's, it's the purpose moment, and that's something that they actually ask Neo to continue to learn, Um, because two things, number one, the first stage of that is always denial. Then there's acceptance. And then there's what we saw from Mobius at the end was sort of regret. And right before he gets pruned, when he's talking about his life with the jet skis and everything that was going on with that, you could tell that for a moment, he felt the loss of whatever he was before. And I want to know how that revelation, not just for him, like that revelation is going to be, you can see that wash over and cascade over other people. Uh, you know, Hunter B-15, same thing. You see what they go through when they realize that at one time they were more. So the biggest question for me was how was Moby is going to respond? And he responded the way characters in those situations often respond through those types of
1: stages. Do you think this is we're we're heading towards a Truman show type thing where it's like we learn that just the TVA in general, I don't even know if the sacred timeline is a thing anymore. A bunch of things got kind of thrown up about even how the TVA operates and what they are actually like destroying at this point. Because I don't even if if I had to make a guess, I don't even know if the sacred timeline is important at this point. Who's ever pulling the strings seems to be wanting to Edit and tailor the timeline to their wants and desires, not necessarily anything that's actually going to destroy the universe. Or whoever's
0: controlling the timeline wants to control the timeline because it represents a timeline where they won.
1: Ooh, yes. That's a that's a more accurate summation. Right. I agree.
0: Right. So if if Kang is behind this. And the sacred timeline is actually just the timeline where Kang the Conqueror was actually able to conquer. Then, of course, he doesn't want, uh, Kang doesn't want branch timelines forming where everyone starts to understand how oppressive he's being. And then there's a multiversal war where his timeline is disrupted or he has to go out and do other stuff. So the TVA might just be a way that. Who, whatever big bad is behind this, be it Kang, be it Ravona, whoever, is maintaining the timeline in which they dictate order. And if we look forward to Kang's involvement in the MCU, then what you could have is a revolt. The branch timelines represent, in their purest form, free will. That's hmm. what it is that they represent. A chance to make chaos. That's all free will is. As hum- As humans, we have this argument back and forth about whether or not freedom is worth it. Is the chaos of freedom worth going up against the comfort that order gives you? Because if everything is ordered, then there's security in that. But freedom is like this wild, untamed thing that you can't really control. And that's kind of what the timeline deal is about. All these events happen because people do things, but it's there in their free will to do them. Like Even to make people do what the TVA wants them to do, they have to lie to them. They can't, like, one who would... The question is, who would choose to be in the TVA? Would anyone choose that?
1: No, no one would choose. They're, like, at this point, they they might as well be slaves. And Sylvie says it in the episode. She says the universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos. Of course. And I think that that's just the big theme going throughout uh, the entire series because the big moment is that Loki and Sylvie, while the planet is about to be destroyed... They have this heart to heart, and it seems like Loki and Sylvie are coming to some type of like epiphany that they have feelings for each other, and that is like the epitome of chaos. Falling in love with your time variant self is like (laughs) is the symbol of just like chaos run amok, and that's when the sacred timeline, their branch timeline, what I'm calling now a boner, like Mm -hmm. just goes straight up. (laughs) (laughs) Look, before we get to that, let me ask you a question. The one of the first things
0: we see here is the beginnings of Ravona's relationship with Sylvie. Sylvie's a kid, and you know uh, she's playing with the dragon. The Valkyrie is saving scar from a dragon. There's also the wolf is in there. Shout out to Fenris the wolf. Like I like him. You know he was running and he was. She had him. It was a big wolf that was sitting down there too. I like him. The wolf was in there. Uh, what do you think that Sylvie's Nexus event was? What do you think? Like they're they're pruning her. It didn't seem like she had normally in, w- in what we've seen someone what we what we know. we saw Peggy Carter. obviously you know what that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? We saw uh, Loki, but that's just a little girl sitting down playing with some toys. Yes. I wonder what it what it was, What was her Nexus event?
1: See, I, that, that's another big question that just like once it happened and like even Sylvie during one point when she's riding in the elevator with Ravona, she was just like, what was it? And Ravona's like, I forgot. She didn't forget. Like she's not dumb. If I had to guess and I might be thinking about this too much, Sylvie told us that she is not a Loki. Like she was just like, I'm not a Loki. Now, does that mean that she is someone else? In terms of like Asgard, in terms of the MCU, because maybe that was a throwaway line, but when she debuted, she made a point to say, I'm just not another Loki. And she doesn't go by the name Loki, she goes by the name Sylvie. So is her existence potentially her powers? Are we gonna get like a Scarlet Witch thing where it's just like she is so powerful that King or the Timekeepers or whoever? the minute she was born in her timeline just by her existing as a little kid, they're like, no, 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 no. We got to prune this shit right away.
0: Could be. Could be. It's interesting if she's not a Loki because the establishing shot that they give us right before it cuts to her inside is from the palace. Yeah. So the, the so it, it, it would be interesting to who she was. The establishing shot right outside, it was good to see Asgard again. Man, <laughs> shout out to my dogs, bro. Wasn't it good to see Asgard again? Uh, when good. I saw Asgard, I was just like, was this taken
1: from another movie? Or did right. they do that?
0: <laughs> But yeah, so the establishment shot they give us is of the palace, which makes you think, hey, Loki in this situation is uh, obviously part of the royal family, so that it was, could be it could be that she's somebody else. Also interesting that we haven't seen her, and we wouldn't at this point, interact with anybody else in terms of her role in Asgard. It's not like she was in there and Frigga was like, hey... Hey, we're gonna leave you and go off and eat some grapes and some nuts and just chill and play with your toys. It they're still showing Sylvie, uh, almost in a disconnected way from whatever existence she was. See, that's
1: why I like. Like, I still I like. She might be a Loki, but that moment says a lot because we don't see anyone. The only person we see is Sylvie in that moment, and we haven't seen Sylvie interact with any other Asgardians. So I'm still kind of like. Is Sylvie who she says she is? Is she actually just a time variant Loki or is she someone else?
0: Mm, mm, so that's mm, my
1: big question. Could be, could, be,
0: could be something else about that. Ravona in that situation gets played. Yes. So there's a different judge up there. Ravona gets played. Sylvie doing one of the most Loki things that she ever did. Actually something that Loki actually did. The first time Loki, it, that entire thing was, that entire sequence was interesting to me. I'll tell you why. When Loki was first being brought in, I guess, booked into the TVA, when he was being booked into the TVA, there was a degree of wonderment to the scene. It was like, oh my God, what is this? What situation has Loki got himself into? Where is he going? It was almost the scene where it, uh, it asks Loki to, um, or the guy asked Loki to sign everything that he ever said. There's this big stack of papers and you go, yeah. man, look how much Loki's lived. And then he says something and it comes again uh, and they, they, they print the paper out again and it happens again. And you think to yourself, wow, this is like funny. Loki's in this situation where like a God is being uh, like sort of humbled. When you watch the, the, the scene with Sylvie, it's completely different. It's
1: super sad. She's so terrified the she's whole time. So she doesn't know what's going.
0: Scared, to. and her her book of of things that she said is so small. <laughs> like she hasn't even gotten a chance to live yet, Chuck. Like it's so small. You're thinking, why are they doing this to this little baby? It's she's <laughs> like she looks totally in over her head. She's so until the moment that she does the exact same thing that our Loki does
1: which is she finds a way to escape. Dog, the time, uh, the Minutemen, the soldiers are completely useless. The amount of times that they get punked <laughs> by Lokis and get their shit stolen is ridiculous. They are the stormtroopers of the fucking MCU. They cannot, <laughs> they just cannot keep, like, dog, every single episode they're screwing up. I'm like, dog, who are But then again, they're humans. They're, they're fallible. That's what we learned.
0: Well, I will say this, that our Loki didn't exactly escape like she did. He didn't steal the Tim pad. That didn't come till later. He was just able to escape the interrogation room that he was in uh, with Mobius. So maybe they had short things up a little while after like he had came. Day. But my thing is, Ravona ends up getting promoted all the way up to judge when she is the one that let the most dangerous variant ever escape the TVA. Yep. Which to me hints or lends itself to the, uh, the notion that there's design behind all of this and there's something special about Ravona and her relationship to whomever's really pulling the strings here to where they feel more secure with somebody like her being in that position, even though she got played in one of the biggest ways ever with one of the
1: most dangerous variants ever. Yo, you ready for me to blow your mind real quick? Blow it. What if Ravona had to have that happen? Like, what if like she needed to make like they got Sylvie and brought her to the TVA, and they needed this version of Sylvie to exist. So she lets her steal the Tempest, and that's why she gets promoted because she she needed a certain level of events to transpire to create whatever like the puppet masters in the back wanted. That was one of my thoughts, and that's why she got promoted.
0: So then there's a so then by this theory, mark this down as. Chuck Wagon theory one. <laughs> so in this theory, a certain amount of chaos is being allowed to happen amongst amongst the timeline, even threatening the, intel, the entire sacred timeline in order for there to be a more concrete
1: order at the end of all of it. Yeah, like maybe, I don't know, maybe Kang or whoever was like Sylvie actually needs to become Sylvie. Like, we need to—she needs to survive in apocalypses, grow up to a certain age. This variant has to meet her. These things have to happen. And maybe Ravona got all the way to the top because she was the one who helped all of that shit happen. By the way, we're doing it again.
0: This is, like, the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh time that we've mentioned Kang. We did, <laughs> like, we, we don't know if it's fucking Kang. It could be goddamn Tang for all. But here's we the know. thing: the timekeepers uh, looked like Kang, like their a ref- helmets. A refreshing space beverage could be behind all of this. Tang the conquer. We we like we have like. We- did you drink Tang as a kid? Did you drink Tang? I'm asking because our Tang was in my era. Did you? Did they still have Tang? And by no, it time was you- it was
1: being phased out. We like <laughs> the one we had was like you ever have sips that like was just like the nastiest fucking juice box ever. No, I haven't had it like before. Like Capri Suns were for, rich, were for rich folks. I could tell my family was doing good when we got Capri Suns. High mm-hmm. C is in the middle. Sips was all the way down. And Tang, yeah. by that point, I'm like, dog, nobody's drinking tea. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Uncomfortable clothes are just the worst and no one should have to deal with that. I mean, I'm not too ashamed to admit it. In the beginning of my journey, I had some podcasting pants. They were uncomfortable. They weren't aerodynamic. Yo, it was hurting my performance and there are so many better options out there like Fiori. Their performance apparel is unbelievably comfortable and versatile. For instance, their performance jogger, you'll never want to take it off and you can pretty much wear it anywhere. The gym, while you run your errands, or while you're relaxing at home, watching movies. So get yourself some of the most comfortable clothing ever at Viore. It's an investment in your happiness. And get 20% off your first purchase by visiting viore.com slash ringiverse. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringiverse.
0: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got
1: Thomas's presents technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade, Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor, for each one is unique like a snowflake. <laughs> Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast.
0: All right, Loki and Sylvie. Interesting what you said about Loki and Sylvie. It seems that the love or connection between Loki and Sylvie is what spawned your boner Nexus event, like you said, the straight up boner.
1: Is this, the, I wanted to ask you this question. Is this the first time? in the MCU where someone's uncontrollable horniness threatens the fabric of reality. Yes. I was, I, the only one I could think about is Star-Lord and Gamora, but that was more Star-Lord being a fucking idiot than his horniness.
0: It was love, though. It wasn't so much horny. He was just like, overwhelmingly, damn, I can't believe you brought that up. I fucking hate that scene, bro. It's hate so Star-Lord. bad. I Star-Lord. It may piss it's me so off. It's so bad. Like, nobody had to get snapped away. Like, they could have won Black Widow in there eating a peanut butter sandwich because Star-Lord got in his feelings. But, no, I I would have to say, so I'm trying to think of other times that they've risked it all for love. The only thing I'll say is not horniness, but Captain America has a a bad habit of not being willing to sacrifice just one person for, like, the fate of trillions of people, (laughs) which I never understood that. Like, in a real way, it doesn't make any sense. But, no, this is maybe the first time that actual... But I'm going to even say that this is more than a horniness, though, because, so there was something that happened when I look at this, what was going on between Sylvie and Loki, and then something that Sif said that's interesting to me. So when Sif was kicking Loki in the nuts over and over and over again, you know, Loki gets it there, he keeps getting kicked in the nuts by Sylvie, and I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to get kicked in the nuts over and over and over again, because I watch Handmaid's Tale. So every time you show up to Handmaid's <laughs> I didn't still,
1: I know where it, that was fucking going.
0: It's just like getting kicked in your nuts every single time. You're like, why am I looking at this? This is the most depressing shit ever. But she says something to him or he says something to her. They're talking and she says, no one's ever going to care about you. No one's going to ever, you only, and he says to him, he say, he says to her, he says, you know, I did that because like I'm a narcissist and because I just like to draw attention to myself because it makes me feel less alone. Okay. Sylvie is literally Loki learning how to love himself. Hmm. It's like literally Loki learning how to love himself, how to pour into himself, and how to not need to always make these grand distractions in order to make people pay attention to who he is. Sylvie, the relationship between Loki and Sylvie is Loki have to be is Loki having to be detailed about his affections. Detailed. About his intentions and very, very intentional about everything that he does. It's the first time to where he's had to sit down and talk to somebody before getting busy and really like pour into them uh, in a real way. And it's weird that he's pouring into himself. Loki's lived a lot of his life as a, in the shadow or mirroring Thor or about what it is that he doesn't have. Let's put it this way. Thor is the prince. I'm not the prince. I should rule. Let me prove to everybody I can rule. Let me prove to everybody that I'm this. Let me prove to everybody that I'm that. And his thing with Sylvie is very intimate. It's small. It's about small conversations that lead to all of these bigger understandings. And it's also about him being selfless in a way, right? He wants to tell the people back in the TVA that they're actually slaves. It's got nothing to do with him. He already knows that he's a variant. So him falling in love with Sylvie, in a way, is like him actually falling in love with himself. And it also is him actually falling in love with himself.
1: Hmm. Okay. This makes me like that twist more. Because when it happened, it felt a little rushed. In that, like, we've talked all about, about, like, Loki this not being, this basically being the Thor Ragnarok version, even though we didn't experience that stuff. And then I kept thinking, I was like, he's only been with Sylvie for, 24, maybe 48 hours at this point. So it would have to be love at first sight and I just didn't I would buy the Mobius relationship if he had fallen in love with Mobius way more than I would have that that I bought the Sylvie relationship but it does speak to his narcissism and it is a physical embodiment of him learn, learning to love himself, which I do agree with. Now, could I push back? Is it possible that we get a back to the future moment where like Marty when Marty kisses his mom, his mom, like, recoils and basically just like, that doesn't feel right. Because in the comic book, Sylvie is kind of his kid, is kind of Loki's kid. And wouldn't that be the more selfless act of him learning how to love something that's outside of himself? And potentially, that might be what everybody wants to happen. Is that, like, Loki, for him to have created a kid would mean that he would have had to fall in love with someone, be selfless, raise someone up. And that maybe is why Syl- Sylvie cannot survive. Because maybe in no other timeline does Loki have a kid. But I'm just going Galaxy Brain. right? No, I
0: don't think you're going Galaxy Brain. I think one of the central questions is about what is the nature of Sylvie and Loki's connection right now?
1: Yes, because it does seem romantic on the face, But, like, Loki still is very confused even when Mobius is pressing him, being like, this is romantic. And he's kind of like, I don't know. Like, he cares for her, but, like, it's not necessarily clear in what capacity he cares. Right, yeah. And right before Loki gets pruned, he is moving
0: in. And the question is, is he moving in for uh, El Smacarino? Was he going to kiss her, or was he moving in to bear a part of his soul to her that was even deeper than what they've already shared? You know what I mean? It's very interesting. We also saw that shot that we thought was Black Widow. Um, <laughs> they were all lamentous. And you know, you I gotta
1: them. be like, they keep getting as I remember I was like, Oh man, he's going to here. This is this is Black Widow and, and <laughs> that shit did, like we get nothing tricked. Oh, I have
0: nothing. To, I had nothing to do with goddamn Black Widow. Black Widow, somewhere in Valh- Valhalla right now, eating golden apples, going, Leave me alone.
1: All right, wait. Like, so, uh, so, this isn't this is this is a question I have for you. Scientifically, let's put on our science caps or Bill Nye, the science guy caps.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. This is where we struggle.
1: Let's go. Scientifically, if Loki is in love with his like female variant self, how would they have kids?
0: I, I, I don't think there's any difference, you know. The but variance. would you would
1: your kid just be a carbon copy of you? Because technically, I'm assuming that like 999 percent of the DNA between like Sylvie and Loki is exactly the same. So would they just birth another Loki? me the Explainer. Wait, Joemi's here to explain time travel, <laughs> not genetics.
0: No, I don't even want to even get into it because I never even thought about it. Jomi the Explainer, your thoughts. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You guys know how, you know. The Putnam Square works, where, you know, you got dominant genes and recessive genes. Mm-hmm. So, I say all that to say, nobody really knows how this would work. <laughs> Bye. You it just know, oh, 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 It was just, oh, 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 oh. well, no, Bye. realistically, though. <laughs> Bye, Joe. Like, realistically, but, like, though, it yeah. should be, you know, they're the same person, Assume they have the same DNA. So, it should be like a genetic clone, right? Just like the same DNA all the way down. Right. What you guys have to understand is that I'm much further removed from college than you guys are. <laughs> I don't even like thinking about shit like that. Like uh like you know what I'm saying? I I thought the Putnam square was something in South New York. Like I don't know like I, I have no clue what's going on. Like I, I it's it's been so long since I've had to care. Like <laughs> Jomi came in
1: high I actually appreciated it. Jomi was just Jomi like Jomi came
0: in J- that was a that was a very up and down because Jomi came in and drop some jargon on us, right? Some yeah. nomenclature. And then made me think I was about to say, yo, this motherfucker Jomi is the illest. On another level. By the, by the time he got about 5 seconds in, he says, no but no, I I guess, I mean that's a, a question for the for the side right there. Okay. So, Mobius's um relationship with Ravona in this, I think we got more to me personally. We got more about kind of their dynamic in this episode than ever before. Would you
1: say that? Most definitely. This, we keep saying Kang, but the whole back and forth between Mobius and Ravona made me honestly think that she is the big bad. Like, we're never going to see Kang at this point because she actually seems to know way more than she's letting on. And like that, and I think that's probably as far as the show is going to go. But I I am wondering, like, what does she know that Mobius doesn't? Like, did she know who Mobius was as a human before he was plucked by the TVA. Like, did they have a romance? Did they have a family? Were they friends? Like, she says something to the effect of, like, we know how all of existence unfolds, and you know how rare a friendship like this is. So was that friendship made in the TVA, or was that friendship made before the TVA? And only Ravonna knows that.
0: It has to have been made before the TVA, because the moment that he mentioned being aware, or not even being aware, of having questions of his life before she had not pruned. So it, it, it has to be that whatever connection that they have is essentially based in their common goal to maintain the integrity of the sacred timeline. And to your point or to your question, she has to know more than him because he's as soon as he asks that question, she gets him out of there. So she has to know that that's the wrong question, if you will, for him to ask, or a question that threatens the stability of the organization that they have, right? So as soon as there is any hint that he knows that she hasn't pruned. Also, that lends itself to my belief that there's been more than one Mobius or that these variants come, in my opinion, that there may actually be a point where these variants understand that they have past lives. Because Mobius is talking about jet skis. It's in there somewhere, right? He's talking yeah. about jet skis even before this. So all it, had, all it takes is someone to go, hey, jet ski. And he goes, maybe I was riding around on a jet ski. So maybe there is a point where these variants start to ask one too many questions, and then you prune them, and then go grab another one. Or go back to the same point in time and grab another variant for whatever the purpose you need them for is, which also Did might they- be a reason. Another reason why there were multiple rings on, on like on her coffee table or whatever, mm. on her, or because there are multiple Mobiuses that have come through. There are multiple Mobiuses that that she's had to deal with because whenever one starts to want get a hankering for some jet skis,
1: got to prune them. So here is my thing. Is it insane to think that maybe actually Mobius is the big bad? If maybe Mobius is such a talented analyst that maybe there is like a top Mobius that's controlling the sacred timeline. And then they get variant, Mobius, uh, variant Mobiuses. And then they just prune them when they start asking too many questions because they're really good at it. Th- Mobius seems way more talented at his job than any other analyst. But maybe because of that, he asked too many questions, and Big Bad Mobius has to be like, nope, get him out of here. We're going to get him out of here.
0: Well, to that point, Mobius seems the best at his job, and the reality is that's why I don't think she wanted Mobius to interrogate Sylvie, Hmm. right? Uh, Because maybe she understands that whatever exists in these Mobius variants they, it leads themselves to, to be inquisitive in a way that threatens the entire ruse of what it is that they have going on, you know? He sits down and talks to her, and all, she also must have not known the degree to which Loki knew any of this stuff. Yes. Because at, at, at this point, she, th- she feels like Sylvie knows all of it, which is a mistake by Ravona, by the way. Because I don't know... If, she, if they think that Loki and Sylvie are acting in cahoots with one another, my question is, why would she think that there would be anything that Sylvie knew that she hadn't shared with Loki? So if, if Sylvie knows that the TVA are all variants and that they're coming from, um, they've been plucked out of wherever they were, whatever lives they were leaving, why would she think that she hadn't told Loki that? Or... Is that not the reason that Ravona didn't want Mobius to talk to Sylvie? Is there something else that Sylvie can do? Is there something else because you know Sylvie can enchant you and then make you straight up remember where you came from? Is that what she didn't want Sylvie to maybe possibly do to Mobius? So Here's the
1: thing. Does Mobius know something from his human life that would be so disastrous if he learned it that it topples the whole TVA? I mean, I get it. I, 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 you know what I, I'm saying? Like, maybe he's the one guy that like, oh, like, if she restores his memories, Mobius is going to remember something maybe about the start of the TVA, maybe about the ruse that R- Ravonna's like, I can't, this can't happen. We can never let that happen. Yeah. Nah,
0: no, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe so. Ravona's the one that is kind of keeping all of these chains on track. She seems almost as if she's acting
1: as as a singular entity within the TVA right now. That's a, that was my thought too, but before we've been we we're getting really heady. We're getting really heady in this episode. Yeah. I like it, but I want to yeah. ask you one garbage question. Can I ask you a garbage question? Of course. We saw we saw how talented Sylvie was as a child, as a as a child time traveler. So what I want to ask you right now, in a time travel draft, who would you who would be your number one overall pick? We're talking any time travel character. This could be Mobius, Sylvie, Marty McFly, Cable the protagonist from Tenet, the Terminator, who would you pick overall first?
0: It's definitely not anybody from Tenet. Um, <laughs> that's a good question.
1: Wow, I thought this was going to be so easy for you. I thought I knew who no, would no,
0: pick. No, 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 no. I mean, I want to go with Marty McFly, but it's so on the nose that I want to think of something different. But yeah, I'd have to go Marty. I feel like Marty was the most consequential. Either Marty or like one of the Avengers. You know what I mean? Why? Who you got? Marty.
1: Ooh, I was thinking, I'm thinking Cable from the comic books. Like yeah. he, he he gets busy. He survived multiple timelines. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's, he's badass as fuck. We don't know what's in his pouches. I think I would have to go Cable.
0: I know. But see, the thing about Cable is that
1: you know, Cable slides around time a lot,
0: but when I was reading books, Cable came back and kind of stayed back for a while. That is true. Like that and, is uh, true. And, and and Marty, and then also Cable is like Marty is Marty's time travel is almost like and we'll do this. Who's the better time traveler, Marty versus Cable? Throw that up on the uh, on the thing. Like who? who Wait, do you no, like Marty's more?
1: gonna win. It's not. But Cable is like my heart's choice. If if I had to say no, who, no, 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 yeah, it's,
0: we're not arguing back and forth. But what I'm saying is that. Marty was doing it to, like, save—I guess Cable was kind of, too, to save his family because Cable's daughter. Oh, by the way, the, the, the Kyle Reese is way up there for time travelers, too. I'll tell you why Kyle Reese is up there. <laughs> now, i change it all. Kyle Reese is number one. I'll tell you why. Very few of these guys traveled back in time and got some ass— Kyle Reese came back in time and was still getting busy. Kyle oh Reese. My God. Kyle Reese. So think about this about Kyle Reese, and we'll get back to the thing. I know, you know, you guys don't like the tangents as much, but I, I, I dig it.
1: They don't like the tangents? I felt like people love the no, tangents.
0: No, like, so Kyle Reese comes back in time, and there is this gigantic fucking unstoppable machine from the future who is trying <laughs> to kill Kyle, kill his target, and really subjugate the future of humanity. And you know what Kyle Reese said? Girl, we got a little time. That's what Kyle Reese said.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know he's coming, but girl, we got a little time. Wait, is Kyle Reese your number one, your number one pick now? It, it's,
0: it's it's definitely got to be Kyle Reese. It's definitely got to, because Kyle, Kyle then came Over back. Over Marty? You're high, bro. Kyle then came back and fathered the leader of the resistance. Ooh. Kyle came back and father Kyle is John Connor's dad.
1: <laughs> in terms of sperm, probably the most valuable Jesus sperm Christ. in the in the temporal the temporal space in the universe. But
0: anyway, let's get back to Loki. Right, 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 Let's get back to Loki. Real quick mention here before we move on to the timekeepers. Mobius has mentioned that the TVA brought in Cree Titans and Vampires. Ooh, we got a blade, a blade. Drop our first mention of vampires in the MCU. So there are vampires out there. Don't know where they've been hiding. Probably been hiding at night in underground clubs sponsored by Deacon Frost. where they are all like sipping on blood bags like Capri Sun's callback and just having a great time. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was a cool little moment. I, every time Marvel does a little something like that, well, they just throw something in, knowing that they're building to it. And I'm like, ah, I've been around with you guys 10, 13 years. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. All right, uh, let's get to the timekeepers. So, timekeepers, androids, there's a big battle scene where uh Loki and Sylvie beat up a bunch of hunters, uh, Minutemen, and then they beat up these Minutemen, and they're only left with the timekeepers. You know, Ravona's down. Sylvie. Uh, throws a blade, cuts off one of the heads of the timekeepers. We found out that the timekeepers are androids. The timekeepers looked so wonky when they first started talking that I knew something was happening.
1: I knew immediately that they were fake the minute like they showed up. I was just like, these aren't real. It's like they looked like an
0: attraction from like fucking it's the small world. They look like Lian Chucky Cheese, something.
1: Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. Shadow Chuck E. Cheese. I miss Chuck.
0: Hey, e. Shadow Chuck E. Cheese, man. That's the that's the homie. And I knew, and I knew. I knew, I knew, did you know that Chuck E. Cheese's name is Charles Entertainment Cheese? Yes.
1: Where have you been? Wait, are you too old for Chuck E. Cheese? No. Did you they ever have a had birthday it. there?
0: It's, it started in my era. Yeah, like, yeah, like it started in my oh, era. Oh, you were, you, damn. Like, <laughs> yeah, Charles Entertainment Charles Cheese. Charles Entertainment Cheese.
1: That's my name. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> but what did the revelation about the Timekeepers do for you? The fact that they are
1: androids. Nothing, because I thought from the beginning they're not real. Like from the beginning, there was just too many clues when, like, Loki was like kidding around that, like, Moby's, he's like, Moby's, you're, you're letting lizards boss you around, basically. So I knew from the beginning, I was just like, the timekeepers cannot just be the timekeepers. So it, it just was like a cool moment. I thought the design was incredible. <laughs> like I said earlier in the episode, they look very, very similar to Kang's costume. Like, I think they have like one of them has like a purple helmet. I, th- I thought the design was amazing. A
0: question that I had about that scene is if the timekeepers aren't actually serving any real function, what's the purpose of bringing Loki and Sylvie in front of them to be deleted? They have to serve some function hmm. or is, is it or is it all for show? Is it once again, could it be that maybe Ravona, because they weren't the only people in those rooms in that room that Ravona is bringing people before, th- to the timekeepers to be deleted in order to further the legend of the timekeepers is that that's one of the big questions i have coming out of this because if they're not real then what's with the dog and pony show and it's even it's very heavy-handed in a purposeful way because when you walk in there there's smoke and there's an effect and there's a whole deal it's very much so like the wizard of oz all of the distractions that oz used to um to keep people from peeking behind the curtain so it's 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 interesting to me. I wonder
1: what the purpose of that is. Did you have any thoughts on that? So my first thing is potentially they brought Sylvie and Loki to the timekeepers because they want to know what they know. Right. Like right now, it's obvious that Ravonna doesn't know everything that Sylvie does. Oh, okay. Like maybe Sylvie is still holding on to some secrets or whatever. So I took it as... They're about to get pruned, but before they get pruned, they have to go basically in front of these time judges. And they are, through fear, through different tactics, they're going to find out some information that they need. Interesting. Maybe. But that's also a stretch.
0: It's not a, not, not a stretch. We don't know. It's not a stretch at all. We don't know. But we do know that they still serve a function, enough of a function, that Ravona will want to bring people in front of them in order to kind of get to to bring people in front of them to at least play it off as if they have something to do with whatever. So maybe she was hoping that, like you said, in front of the timekeepers, that she would learn something more about Loki and Sylvie. Uh, but who knows? Sylvie ends up wanting not revenge on Ravona for pruning Loki, which was, wow, Loki got pruned. And the moment that Moby has got pruned, I'm looking, that made me look at pruning different.
1: I knew there was no way they were getting rid of Mobius in yeah. episode 4.
0: Right. So when the when when Loki got pr- when Mobius got pruned, I was like, okay, so pruning is something different than what I thought it was. And this also goes back to sort of us seeing other people get pruned sort of cavalierly. And we thought, Jesus Christ, whoever would do something like that, these people are definitely definitely super ill and crazy and um and vicious. But no, pruning is a more like a cosmic time time
1: out, perhaps, than it is
0: actually taking somebody's life.
1: Well, here in an episode, we learned that like the TVA's version of jail is a time loop. Right. So they have some type of control over time where they not so only course, yeah. can just jump into different time time uh, places or whatever, they can also loop time. So when right. they're pruning some somebody that might also be another way they manipulate time. Right, Because all these other Lokis are in this space. So, like, my question is, is, like, when they're pruning someone, is it, like, a collection thing? Is it almost like a Brainiac Superman thing where they have a place where they could put little people in jars in timeout and make sure that the sacred timeline stays? Or another thing, variants. Is that how they keep track of all the variants? Maybe when Mobius does something that they don't like he asks too many questions, they prune him, make him forget everything, and then put and him there.
0: And then pr- pr- prune him, and that's a reset, sort of. Yeah. And the reset, then you can go grab him again. Before we get to that. Because uh, I, I want to ask a question real quick. Before we get to the post credit scene, uh, I want to, because that, that gives us a lot of um, of answers to what we are just talking about. But before we get to that, I thought it was interesting that the episode ended with Sylvie wanting information rather than seeking revenge against Ravona, And at first I thought, damn, she just pruned Loki. She just killed Loki. You don't want no get back real quick. But I think it goes to show that all the questions that we want to know are questions that are worth asking because even inside of the narrative of the show itself, which is just doing a breathtaking jo- job of playing all of these interpersonal relationships between one another. Even the interpersonal relationship between Mobius and Ravona, right? It's from his, from Mobius' side of it, it's he seems to have an affection for her. And she seems to have more of a she treats him like a pet almost. Like he seems to have a real affection for her and a real like it's like it's actually a good depiction of like what a boss sort of subordinate relationship is like.
1: Well, he was, he did say that thing. He's like, I knew I was your favorite analyst. Like that, right. he, he wants her respect and and admiration.
0: Yeah, like you be talking with your boss, like your boss is your friend. Like, hey, we went out to dinner together to celebrate this and this. That motherfucker will fire you. <laughs> I know this firsthand. I haven't spoke to Harvey Levin since TMZ. Man, me and this dude used to be chilling. Like, you know, you
1: know what I'm saying like, <laughs> damn. So it wasn't it wasn't a Ravona uh, Mobius relationship. That he pruned the shit out of me. You
0: know what I mean? <laughs> so, so <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but that's but that's interesting. But at the end of it, Sylvie seems to kind of buck the trends of these uh, uh, uh like not buck the trend, but she seems to define what her relationship is low, with Loki is about by actually wanting to know more rather than to get some sort of emotional revenge on Ravona, And I thought that was very key, and it shows what, what an important character Sylvie is. Well, as-
1: I thought that when that happened, I was just like, oh, this makes sense. Because if Sylvie has been running her entire life and has been living within apocalypse after apocalypse after apocalypse, her goal is still to take down the TVA. Because if she just gets rid of Ravona, that doesn't mean that she's getting rid of the TVA. And what she asked her, like, she's asking her because the only way that she's ever going to be free is if she topples this organization. Very true, very true. Okay, so that brings us
0: to the post-credit scene. So in the post-credit scene, this is after Loki has been pruned. He is, uh, he wakes up in a ruined, decimated New York City. And the first thing he says is, is this hell? Uh, And then he is greeted by four Loki variants. The kid Loki, classic Loki, boastful Loki and the gator. All right? The gator was like, I guess, a small. It's like an alligator Loki. Shout out to Louisiana with the Loki thing on. So we've seen a a lot of this. And it, it looks like in the background, you see a destroyed Avengers Tower in the background. This is a decimated New York City. What does this mean to you? We just talked about what happens when you get pruned. Do you think all of these other Lokis had in fact been pruned Um, Because one Loki then says, hey, if you don't come with me, you actually will be dead. What's the danger in this situation? Where are they? And more
1: importantly, when are they? So part of me thinks, part of me was like, is this a loop? Where basically, they've been going through the timeline, taking these Loki variants. Like everything that's happening with Mobius and Loki has probably happened before. And they're trying to figure out the right combination for whatever needs to happen. Because all of these Lokis seem to know something that our Loki doesn't. So first my brain was like, maybe they've all been friends with Mobius. They've all been kidnapped by the TVA. And like they're they're going to teach our guy some shit that he does not know. That was where my first, my mind went. What about you? Well, they've been there for a while and
0: they obviously know something that he doesn't know. Time is acting funny here. We don't know how time in this place relates to time from the TVA. So we don't know how long or or exactly what Point in the history of New York or the Earth that they're actually at, but they do seem to know something um, that our Loki obviously doesn't. They're telling him, "Get up, let's go," and there seems to be some element of danger there. Also, we haven't seen one version of Loki that we that we saw in the trailer, which is like the Mayor of Loki. I'm yes. wondering, like, if if, if that's coming uh, in this particular, are they going to be taken to a place where one Loki maybe rules that entire deal? And these lo- other Loki's are up against him, and they need our Loki's help for whatever reason. I, I, I watched a recap video, and it said that one of the Loki's seemed worthy because he had Mjolnir in, in his hand. The Black Loki. The Black Loki. Shout out Black Loki. <laughs> Hell yeah! Shout out Black Loki. Shout out Bloki. That's his name. Loki. Bloki. He's a he's a he's Bloki. I like Black Loki, man. Do you think you
1: could live Mionir?
0: No, hell no. You said that so quick. There's no way I could live millennia, bro. Like I actually subscribe to. Never mind. Oh, like, no, what were you <sighs> about to say? No, never
1: mind. Just my browser history. There's, there's no way I could lift millennia. Like it, there's no way. What are you talking about? They're like it's, Thor. Thor has done some, some, some sexual shit that he cannot talk of. At the NASCAR. same
0: time, at the same time, though. It, he also does other stuff, like he saves a bunch of people. You know what I
1: mean? I believe in you, man. I think you could. I think you could lift me in here if you no. really try.
0: No, bro. Like no, bro. <laughs>
1: no, no. Hell, no.
0: I can't lift me in here, man. No. Uh, by the way, there wouldn't be like very many people on Earth who could actually lift me in here. By the way,
1: who would they be? Top three in our top three people who could make... Greta Thunberg. I was about to say.
0: <laughs> ALC probably. Gre- Greta Greta Thunberg uh could probably lift me in here. I don't know, maybe old ass Jimmy Carter.
1: Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter is a good guy. Like he's like he, he was. A, I don't he, know. He, Jimmy man. Carter was like a bad guy. I, I president. know that against Jimmy, but I wouldn't be the first person I go
0: to. I got one from the past. Dr. King. Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr. could lift me in there.
1: Ah. Uh, you don't think Dr. King? He had some sexual proclivities that might, you know. So
0: what? So what? Don't matter. He did enough. Like he did enough to where
1: it balances out. Do you think it balances out? Dr. King could lift me in there. That's such an easy one. I do agree. If anybody mar- all right, yeah, cool, cool, you- cool. Martin Luther King. So we have Greta Thunberg, Martin Luther King, who Prince. Prince is my last one. Okay. You don't think you don't think Prince could lift him? I, like, I, I, I maybe
0: I don't have time. I'm, I'm trying to think. Prince has done a lot for. I'm trying to think. Everything that Prince has given us, you don't think Prince can become Thor? Desmond, I think Desmond Tutu, like what Steve says, Prince is literally Loki. Get out of here! Steve. Uh, like Prince, Prince is more Loki than he is Thor Come to me. On. Prince is more Loki than he is Thor to me. People, miss people, with me in there. All right, so, um, like I said, we have yet to see Mayor Loki, but maybe pruning is actually like we said at the TVA, dumping people in uh, a doomed timeline in a timeline where everything has gone completely wrong uh and where it's essentially almost like hell the question is it's a question a very philosophical question uh would you rather reign in hell than serve in heaven <laughs> That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a question that people ask. I don't want to be on fire for all of eternity, but some people say, hey, maybe it's cool if I get to call the shots. So the question is, with this whole Meryl Loki thing, are we going to find a Loki variant or a version of Loki that would rather basically reign in hell than serve in heaven or serve mm. anywhere else that's actually pretty good because he is a god, right? All right. Leaving here. We've covered a lot. What is the biggest question that you have going into the next episode?
1: I think it's simple. Who is controlling the strings of the timekeepers? You know what I mean? Or the TVA in general. Like, who is, who is the person behind the curtain? And the thing that I think probably scares me most about Loki sticking the landing is that, like, I don't know if they can introduce a new character at this point. Like, I don't know if they can introduce an antagonist with only two episodes left. Whoever the antagonist is has to be somebody we already know. I think that that was we that was proven in WandaVision, that was proven in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Whoever the big bad is going to be, if they're not introduced by episode 2 or 3, you know what I mean? So, who is pulling the strings? Right now my bet is on Ravona. Ravona. Well, it seems pretty obvious right now
0: that it's Ravona, but it seems almost too obvious. Although it seemed too obvious
1: that Sharon Carter was Power Broker. And that's, what, that's my thing. We're always like, same thing with, uh, what's it, whatchamacallit, in WandaVision. Agatha. 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 I get it. Shout out Ralph Boner, my guy. Oh, worst decision in the MCU. My
0: biggest question is, how does Loki get back, back into action? Obviously, your question is great, and it's probably the question that most people are going to have, and it's probably the correct question to have. My question is, how's Loki going to get back into action? What's going to happen where Loki is right now in this doomed timeline with these other Lokis to get him back into where where he's... He's going to have to find out something really fundamental about the way this universe works in order for him to get back to where Sylvie is having this situation or having this conversation or learning what she's going to learn from Ravona or to get back to the TVA. He's going to have to learn something very fundamental uh, about the inner workings of all this to get back. And my question is, what is he going to learn and how is he going to get back? You know, because Mm. it's his show, even if it doesn't end up being his show, because this show could be about Loki finding himself, finally loving himself, like I said before, and then a new Loki assuming the mantle. Who knows? We don't know how the MCU... I will
1: say that's where my brain is going, because, like... We're going to talk about it later, but this phase of the MCU is definitely, they are going hard in like, we need you guys to love these new versions of these characters. Like in every single new MCU entry, we're getting kind of, they're like, all right, guys, we got these new characters. Do you love them yet? And that's where I think we're going. And this does seem like a swan song for our current version of Loki. All right Tom
0: Hiddleston moves on he goes and plays James Bond or something like that and then that's it you know what i mean you, who knows maybe that low maybe this loki is done but we're going to find out in these next couple episodes okay look here's the deal that's it for us you got to follow us on ringerverse on facebook ig and twitter please follow us and share the show i love you facebook i love you guys <laughs> uh check in with Mallory Rubin for her deep dives into Loki every single Friday. Now, next week is a packed week of MCU coverage. Along with our Loki episodes, we and Mallory will be giving our reviews and analysis of Black Widow next Friday. Black Widow next Friday is what we're going to be doing. I got to tell you guys, you have to tune in for our reactions to Black Widow. You have to tune in. Black Widow is causing a stir amongst the Ringerverse family.
1: It's breaking us apart.
0: It is. <laughs> They're like good. It, it, like yeah, like <laughs> good. It's causing a stir amongst the Ringerverse family. You are not going to want to miss this. The Midnight Boys are, of course, me and Charles, but they are also our producers. And our social guy, Steve Allman and Jomi Adeneron. Like, these are our guys. These are the Midnight Boys. And shout out to all of you guys, our audiences. Our audience, it's not more than one audience. Our audience, the Midnight Riders. Bam! Shout Woo! out to you guys, the Midnight Riders. Thank you for riding with us and indulging us as we react to these shows
1: and movies. Ayo, Van, please don't forget about our esteemed colleague, wannabe Midnight Boy, TD. Charles, you got anything for us before we head out? The Midnight Boys are here. Fans, please let us out the slammer. <laughs> it rains purple. And I know for sure Prince can lift the hammer. Oh! Oh! <laughs> we
0: out. I've never got disciplined harder and then when I went through a whole box of Capri Suns in like 89. (laughs) I'll never forget the look on my dad's face. My dad just walks in and he looks at me. And I've just never seen a more disappointed person in their life. It's just me and a mound of Capri Sun carcasses around me. And I just looked, and I remember I looked at, I was (laughs) defeated at that point. I remember I looked up at him like, my bad dog. And, he, and all he just said, he looked at my mama, he went, what is wrong with that boy? Is this Capri? He didn't eat, they didn't even whip me. Like I, just, I drank every Capri Sun in the box. Wait, how long did it take you to drink all of them? Bro, I just couldn't stop myself. It wasn't even the Capri Suns that was making me drink them. I was obsessed with taking a little straw and putting Ooh. it in the Capri Sun thing. It was so much fun that I was just like, it was whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, okay